Let us all turn to the Word of God together this evening. We're going to the first book of Samuel. First Samuel and chapter 3. So will give you a little time to turn it up. Very precious portion, wonderful lessons as we go from verse to verse through this chapter. It's a chapter for the young. It's a chapter for those who are older. And that kind of contrast really develops in the chapter if you think about it. First Samuel chapter 3. Samuel is still a child. He's in the house of God. He's in the right place. That's the best place for any child. And come to that best place for any growing up as well. It's the place for the Lord's people, isn't it? Verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision, which would mean that uh, the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah glory, was not revealed in the temple, in the tabernacle. By right, we should call it the tabernacle of the Lord. The glory of the Lord wasn't there. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim and he could not see. And there the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I, I, I call not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down. And it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood 
and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Praise the Lord for that. For that moment in his life, for that moment in your life, the Lord called you by your name also. May the speaking voice of the Lord be heard this evening. Amen. Thank you so much for reading the precious word of God for us this evening. If you've been with us on recent Monday nights, you'll know that we've been looking uh, very simply and devotionally about what it means to approach the throne of grace. The Bible exhorts us to do that, of course, in the book of Hebrews, and it's the greatest privilege, really, that a child of God has this side of eternity, to be able to open the Word of God and read an invitation that calls us to come boldly to the very throne of God itself, and there to commune with God, to speak to God, and to obtain mercy, and to find grace to help in time of need. And it's every believer's privilege to approach the throne of grace, to come before the presence of the Lord. And we have been thinking very simply over recent weeks about how the Lord would have us to approach his throne. And we thought about a range of subjects coming before the Lord with thankful hearts, coming before the Lord with clean hands and pure heart, coming before the Lord with assurance and with boldness, coming before the Lord with humility and a range of other things. And as we're thinking tonight about Samuel, I want to just uh, maybe think about a, an aspect of prayer that sometimes is overlooked, and that is coming before the Lord with a listening ear and a listening heart. Sometimes we have the idea that prayer is merely us speaking to God, and that's a huge part of it, undoubtedly. But prayer is also listening to the Lord as well, being still in his presence. The Word of God often refers to prayer as waiting upon the Lord, waiting in the Lord's presence. Real prayer is two-way communication. It's not merely reaming off a pile of requests. Yes, prayer is talking to the Lord, but prayer is also allowing the Lord to talk to us. Prayer is not only speaking, but prayer, in a very real sense, is also listening. Somebody once said, and I think it's a beautiful statement, prayer is dialogue between two people who love each other. Isn't that a wonderful and a beautiful definition of prayer? Prayer is dialogue between two people who love each other. It's not all one-way communication. It's not all talking and expecting the other person just to sit and listen. But prayer is speaking. Prayer is listening. Prayer is responding Prayer is making requests. Prayer is dialogue. Prayer is speaking as well as being spoken to. Listening to God, of course, is evidence of saving grace in a person's life. John 10, the Son of God said, My sheep hear my voice. And there's a sense in which we hear the voice of the Lord speaking into your conscience at conversion, the Spirit of God applying the Word of God, the Lord speaking to your hearts, the Lord troubling us, challenging us, convicting us, drawing us, speaking to us. 
My sheep hear my voice. And yet, there's a sense in which that hearing of the Lord's voice is an ongoing thing. Following on to know the Lord, listening to the voice of the Lord, leading us, guiding us, correcting us, encouraging us day by day. So in prayer, we ought not to barge into God's presence and just start talking and reaming off words that maybe just go into the air and don't maybe go much higher than the ceiling, but it's good to spend time in the presence of the Lord. And before we talk to the Lord, just spend moments quietly in stillness, allowing the Lord to speak by His Spirit into our hearts and into our lives. That's why Bible study and prayer go hand in hand. I think it's always good in the Christian life, in the home, privately, personally, and also if the Lord has blessed you with a family, to spend time opening the Word of God, quietly reading on it, slowly meditating upon it, and then listening to the voice of God as He speaks through the Word. And then that serves us well to enter into the presence of the Lord and come to the throne of grace, having heard something of God's voice, and then coming and talking to the Lord in return. That's why as well, here on a Monday night, we have Bible study followed by prayer. And admittedly, oftentimes the Bible studies are maybe not all that in-depth, maybe more of a devotional nature, but we trust the Lord speaks to your hearts in these Monday night meetings. And it's very important as we come to the place of prayer that we ask the Lord, even before we leave our homes, Lord, speak to my heart tonight in the prayer meeting. And whenever you come in through the doors, to come in with that spirit of expectancy and that spirit of reverence and that desire that, Lord, I need a word from you tonight. I need you to speak to my heart, Lord. I need you to lead me, guide me, encourage me, maybe correct me, maybe give me a, a word in season. Lord, I, I want you to speak to my heart. And as we enter into the, the spirit of prayer together, even in the opening prayer in a church service, so important, I believe, to enter into the spirit of prayer. And if we don't say it audibly, to say it inwardly, amen, as somebody's praying or leading in prayer or another brother or sister is praying in the prayer meeting, enter into the spirit of prayer and pray that the Lord will speak to our hearts in these days through his word. Because after all, can we really expect the Lord to listen to us and to hear our voices if we're not willing to listen to his and spend time to hear God's voice? Sometimes I think we can be guilty maybe for fear of Pentecostalism or the charismatic movement. Sometimes we can demystify and despiritualize so much of the Bible so that so much of what we learn and what we hear just becomes head knowledge rather than heart experience. I believe that every Christian should always be looking for and anticipating the speaking voice of God. Our meetings are in vain if we don't really hear the speaking voice of our God in the heart. We can hear the Word of God with our ears. We can read it with our eyes. We can quote it with our lips. We can maybe understand something of the historical setting of a passage that we look at. We can understand something of the theology behind it and the doctrine underneath it. But it's so important above and beyond that, to hear the Spirit of God speaking into our hearts and into our souls and into the, the inner man and into the inner being. Our theology 
must become experiential. And our Christianity must not be in theory only, but also in deep, deep experience. Now Samuel was going to become Israel's great prophet in his day and generation. He was not perhaps aware of that as he was attending the temple or the tabernacle at Shiloh. But God had great plans and purposes for his life. Samuel become a man that would hear God's voice. Samuel also, of course, would go on to become a tremendous prayer warrior for the children of Israel. And you read about the prayer life of Samuel so many times in, in this wonderful book. For example, we read in 1 Samuel 7 and verse number 5, Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And Samuel became an intercessor for the nation of Israel. And as the children of Israel Listen to the words of Samuel there. They said to him in verse 8 of 1 Samuel 7, they said, Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard him. What a man of God Samuel was. A man that not only declared the Lord to the people, but a man that entered into the presence of God and sought the Lord on behalf of the people. You might say that as far as Israel was concerned, Samuel was an instructor in the word and in the mind of the Lord, but also he was an intercessor. Samuel addressed the people of God on behalf of the Lord, but he also interceded and addressed the Lord on behalf of the people. You have it again. And chapter 8 and verse number 6, the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. God's people had done something that grieved Samuel. And the first thing Samuel did whenever another child of God or collectively a group of people grieved him and hurt him, he went into the presence of God and prayed about it. And that's one of the most a valuable things that a Christian can do. If somebody hurts you, somebody grieves you, you see something, you hear something that annoys you, rather than going and rehearsing that in the ears of other believers, best to keep it between you and the Lord initially. Pray about it. Bring it before the Lord and pray it out of your soul. Again, First Samuel chapter 12 Verse number 19, all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. They began to realize their folly. And Samuel went on to say in verse 23 of that 12th chapter, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in seeking to pray for you. So Samuel's life became a life of prayer. Somebody once said, we do not pray in order to live the Christian life, but rather we live the Christian life in order to pray. And I think Samuel shows us that. He lived his life in order to be in a right relationship with God and to seek the face of God. But Samuel's life and ministry of prayer and intercession began here in 1 Samuel chapter 3 with simply listening. His whole prayer life 
began with listening to the voice of the Lord. And I think we could, we could bring that down to a, a smaller scale and say that perhaps every time Samuel prayed and sought the Lord, he had learned the lesson, prayer begins with listening. As we look here at 1 Samuel chapter 3, this principle is laid down for Samuel's prayer life, listening. And I believe there's a lesson here for us all that prayer ought to begin oftentimes with listening. And you'll notice that Samuel was in the place of privacy. He was alone with God. Eli was sleeping. Samuel had gone into his own dwelling. And he was there in that little room, just alone with the Lord. And didn't the Savior exhort us to pray? Matthew chapter 6, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet and then shut the door and pray to thy father which seeth thee in secret. And so there's a place of privacy. Samuel went into that quiet place and there he is and he's just waiting in the presence of the Lord, waiting for the speaking voice of God. It was the place of privacy. It was the place of quietness. No distractions. Just Samuel there in his little bed, watching those little lamps burning low in the place of privacy, in the place of stillness, in the place of quietness. And it's good to have a place to meet together as a group of believers on a Monday night and at other times as well, before the meetings on the Lord's Day or maybe on a Wednesday morning or a Lord's Day afternoon, whenever the place is open for prayer and it maybe affects a specific part of the work of God to have a place set apart to come together collectively and seek the Lord in quietness and just be there in a place of stillness. And so it is in the closet as well. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. You remember Elijah whenever he was so discouraged and downcast? He had seen great victory and movings of God and Mount Carmel. Fire had come down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. The Lord had shown himself to be the true God. And then in the very next chapter, Elijah finds himself desperately downcast, depressed, discouraged, wanting his life to end. And the Lord came and spoke to Elijah by means of a still, small voice. And often God comes and speaks with that still, small voice. So he is in the place of privacy, the place of quietness as well, the place of expectancy. He had not been so much aware that God had been speaking, but the Lord had been speaking on three occasions, Samuel calling him by name. And young Samuel could not yet really discern the voice of the Lord. But then whenever he goes into Eli, and Eli suddenly awakens to realize this is God speaking, and he says in verse number 9, Samuel, go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. And I'm sure the little boy's heart was racing. There's this sense of expectancy. God has been speaking to me and therefore God is in this place. And it may be that God will speak to me again. And there's a sense of expectancy. I wonder tonight as we come to the Monday night meeting, is there a sense of expectancy? Do we ever look back and say, now, Lord, you've spoken to me before in the prayer meeting or in the Bible study or in the Lord's house? Do we come again and say, Lord, would you speak again? Sense of expectancy. And then he was also now in the place of discernment. He has learned that there's a, 
a vast difference between the voice of a priest like Eli and the voice of the Lord. He's learning now to discern between man's voice and God's voice. But as we look at, at the words in verse number 9, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And then again, to a lesser degree, in verse number 10, at the end of the verse, Speak, for thy servant heareth. You'll notice that not only was Samuel in the place of privacy, the place of quietness, the place of expectancy, the place of discernment, but he was also in the place of importunity. In the Gospels, you've got the parable of the importunate widow who went again and again and again to that unjust judge and said, avenge me of mine adversary. And the word importunity has the idea of earnestly entreating a higher being or a higher power for something. And here we have Samuel in the place of importunity. The first part of his petition, speak. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And here he is entreating the Lord, Lord, I want you to speak to me. Lord, if you call me by name, I'm opening up my heart. And Lord, I want you to speak to me. The place of importunity. It's so encouraging tonight to know that God does speak to his people. We have a God tonight who speaks. We have a God tonight who sees, a God who hears, a God who acts. Our God is not like the gods of the nations who have eyes but cannot see, ears but cannot hear, lips but do not speak. Our God is a God who is active, a God who is interested, and a God who speaks. Right there in Genesis 1 and verse number 3, the principle is laid down that follows through all of Scripture and God said, and the Lord said, let there be light. God said, God spoke. Hundreds and hundreds of times in Scripture, you've got phrases just like that. And the Lord said, and God spake. And so and so heard God's voice. And the voice of God thundered. And so it goes on all through Scripture. God speaking, speaking, and speaking. And this book tonight is a living book. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I believe tonight that this infinite, eternal, and unchangeable God is still in the business of speaking to the hearts of his people. And we must be willing to listen. I believe tonight God wants to speak to us. God wanted to speak to Samuel he didn't give up after the first or second or third time. He spoke again the fourth time. God wanted to speak to Samuel. And you have in Revelation 2 and 3, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, writing letters, as it were, to the seven churches. And each of those letters ends with the same words, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Laodicea, he said, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Many professing believers, sadly, have no real interest, it seems, in hearing what the Lord would say to them. Can I be so bold tonight to ask you, do you have a desire to hear his voice? Was it your desire not just to come to a prayer meeting tonight out of habit or even out of duty or maybe just to fellowship with God's people? Those things are important, of course. 
But is it our first and foremost desire? Whenever we come to a place like this, Lord, I need you and I want you and I desire and therefore I pray and I ask you, Lord, would you speak to me tonight? Speak to me by your Spirit. Speak through the Word. Speak right into my heart and into my soul. And Lord, let me know it is from you. I believe our meetings and our church services would be revolutionized if we came before the Lord with this petition that Samuel had, speak, Lord, I want you to speak into my heart. And Samuel didn't dictate at all what he wanted the Lord to say to him. He just simply wanted the Spirit of God to speak into his heart. Furthermore, we could ask the question, when was the last time you were conscious of God speaking into your heart? When was the last time you got a word from the Lord? Publicly or privately? When was the last time you opened the Bible and you just were very conscious that the Lord had spoken to you through his word? There's a word from the Lord. Open your Bible, you come along to a meeting and you sit down, you bow your head and say, Now, Lord, speak. And you sit in the service and all of a sudden you're conscious. Now, the Lord's speaking to my heart. And this isn't just a meeting or this isn't just a message or a sermon or another church service. This is God speaking into my heart and into my life. And it's as if you're the only one there and you know now the Lord is speaking to me this evening. Samuel was asking, inviting, entreating the Lord, Lord, I want you to speak. Dr. Harry Ironside had a very practical way of studying the Word of God. There were ten questions that he often asked about any chapter. Five by way of information, and then five questions by way of application. And as he applied any chapter to his life, he would ask these five questions. Is there an example for me to follow? Is there an error for me to avoid? Is there a promise for me to claim? Is there a commandment for me to obey? And then lastly, is there a prayer for me to re-echo? And here's a prayer for us tonight that we can bring before the Lord a simple prayer, just a few words. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. In the book of the Psalms, Psalm 144, uh, Psalm 143 and verse number 8, there's a very similar petition. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. The book of Psalms was Israel's hymn book. But we might also say that the book of Psalms ought to become the believer's prayer book. And there's a prayer that we could re-echo as well. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. I don't know about you, but do you ever wake up at maybe three in the morning or four in the morning and your mind is bombarded with all sorts of negative thoughts? I believe that the fiery darts of the devil can be so active at the instant whenever we open our eyes from sleep, 
even before that, I believe that the enemy can come subtly, even there, and put thoughts into your minds. And therefore, it's important for us to pray, Lord, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. It was last week, the dog, I went to bed really early one night. I woke up at about 10 o'clock. I'd been sleeping for about an hour. The dog was barking. And all of these thoughts, I didn't, know, I didn't know what time it was. I thought maybe it was 8 o'clock in the morning, but it was still 10 o'clock in the evening. And it was just all out of sorts. I was going down the stairs to try to get the dog to be quiet. And all of a sudden, all these thoughts coming into the mind. God doesn't love you. You're not saved at all. And all of these accusations, remember reading Martin Lloyd-Jones in his commentary in Ephesians 6, the few verses there, the entitles Christian Warfare, and he made this very thought, point as well, that oftentimes, whenever you haven't the time to really pray, to read your Bible, to get your bearings, you're out of sorts, you're not thinking clearly, you're at your lowest, uh, I suppose, as far as being alert is concerned, that's whenever the enemy can so easily come in like a flood. When you've been sleeping and you haven't got a Bible in front of you and you haven't got uh, uh, proper rest maybe or you haven't got any food in your system, you haven't got alone with God just yet and therefore it's important to pray. Make this your prayer. Lord, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. I think the psalmist was well aware, the psalmist David was well aware of the tactics of the enemy and therefore he made this his prayer. Lord, whenever I wake up in the morning, let me be conscious of your voice. Speak a word in my ear. Lord, assure me of your love. Assure me of your grace. And Lord, I'm trusting you. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. A prayer for us to re-echo. Lord, speak. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. The Shunammite prayed in a similar fashion. Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse number 14. O my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. There we have a perfect example of how real prayer is dialogue between two people that love each other. Let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. I don't know about you, but I want to hear from God in these days. Failure to hear God's speaking voice can be a deadening thing. Psalm 28, 1, the psalmist said, Lord, be not silent unto me, lest if thou be silent unto me, I become like them that go down to the pit. The psalmist recognizes if I'm not in fellowship with God, and I'm not hearing God's voice, and I'm going for days and for weeks, and not really hearing God or having God speak to me, Lord, I will become just like the ungodly. And maybe that's a big problem in the church of Jesus Christ in this day and in this generation. And so in coming to your Bibles and in coming to your meetings, here's a prayer to re-echo. Speak, Lord, speak, for thy servant heareth. The place of importunity, it's also, I believe as well, the place of humility. Verse number nine, speak, 
Lord, for thy servant heareth. Last week or the week before, maybe it was, we thought about humility. Coming before the throne of grace with humble hearts. And Eli is encouraging Samuel to take that place of humility and recognize, Samuel, that this is the voice of Jehovah. That's the voice of the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, the God that fills eternity, the God that sits upon the circle of the earth, whose very name is holy, the God who is from everlasting to everlasting. And Samuel, what an amazing thing it is that that God has been speaking to you three times by name already this evening. And Samuel, if the Lord speaks again, you re-echo these words. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Put yourself in the lowly position. Recognize this is the voice of the Lord. You know, God's voice is something to be highly esteemed. Children of Israel began to despise the manna that they once loved. And they said, our soul loatheth this light bread. And maybe in the church, the evangelical church, we're at a position like that where we count the voice of God, the speaking voice of God, the word of God as some common thing. Once satisfied us, it once thrilled us, it once filled us, it once nourished us. We gathered it early in the morning. We were eager to get out. It was fresh. It was sweet to the taste. We loved it. We thrived on it. It strengthened us. And so many today are saying, our soul loatheth this light bread. We don't really care much for the speaking voice of the Lord anymore. Lord, give us something else. God had been speaking. And Samuel perhaps hadn't even been aware of it. He knew that somebody was speaking. He thought it was Eli, but he didn't discern initially that it was the voice of the Lord. And so often I wonder, do we really miss the speaking voice of God? Do we come to meetings and we think we hear, yes, the voice of man, but behind it and above it and far beyond it, do we really hear the voice of the Lord? Samuel began to recognize as Eli instructed him, verse number nine, Samuel, go and lie down and if it shall be, if he shall call thee, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And Samuel began to realize that the Lord has been here all the while. And I haven't been as conscious of that as I should have been. And yet he was still young. Some of us have been on the road for a long time. And maybe we don't always discern the presence of God whenever we come to the Lord's house. It was said by Jacob in Genesis 28, 16, the morning after he saw the vision of the ladder stretched up into glory and the angels ascending and descending upon it. And of course, that was a picture of the Savior. And yet, Jacob got up the next morning, says this is a terrible place. Surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. Initially, he didn't discern the presence of the Lord. Now, here we see Samuel, according to verse number 3, the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. A lot of application in a little verse like that. The light going out in the very house of the Lord. 
And the one who was serving the Lord Samuel is now going to sleep. And I wonder, is that a subtle picture of the church of Jesus Christ in our day and generation in this land? The lamp perhaps seems to be going out. And many are falling into sleep and falling into slumber. But nevertheless, the Lord was still there. And the Lord was still speaking in the midst of his holy temple. Now, the uh, author of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, said these words in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Solomon is saying one of the most important things whenever you go to the temple of the Lord, the house of the Lord, is a readiness to hear the voice of God. Be instructed, go in and listen for that still, small voice. To think that the Almighty God would speak to us right into our hearts by His Spirit. That still, small voice. It's an amazing thought in and of itself, right into your hearts, right into your spirits. Related a while ago, a story I'd heard and came across a clip of it, somebody sent on uh, social media, Pastor George Chen. He was a pastor in China for many years and experienced intense persecution. Spent, I think, 14 years in a prison camp in China. And in order to try to break his spirits, the communist prison guards sent him down to the cesspit to wade into it up to his waist and shovel human excrement. And he was there for months on end. They thought they would break his spirit. They thought that perhaps he would even die because of infection that might set in. But he discovered that that place became a place of quiet reflection and communion with God. And in the little clip that I watched, that Chinese pastor said, I used to sing this song, this old hymn, whenever I went down into that, into that cesspit and that concentration camp. And with tears rolling down his cheeks, he sang in his lovely accent, I come to the garden alone, while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. He walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Isn't that remarkable? Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. And there's an old man in a human cesspit. Persecuted for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he says he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me. That I am his own. He was in the place, yes, of importunity speak. In the place of humility speak, Lord. In the place of utility. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Samuel now taking the place of the servant. You're the Lord. Thou art God. Thou art Jehovah. Thou art the Lord. But I am thy servant. Putting himself into the place of submission. Into the place of servitude. To be useful in the hand of God. Lord, I just want to be a servant. And Lord, whatever you want to say to me, if you give me the grace to do it, I will do it. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What wilt thou have me to hear? John Wesley 
made it his prayer, Lord, let me not live to be useless. He's praying, Lord, I want my one small, short, weak life to be used by God. <clears throat> and friends, tonight I'm sure it's your heart's desire in some small way to be used by God. Maybe not to be seen of men, but just to be in the place where you can hear and discern the voice of God. You can recognize this is my God, my Lord, my Savior. And whatever the Lord has to say to me, I want to listen and I want to be obedient and I want to serve him and just do the things that God wants me to do. Whatever the Lord has to say to Samuel, Samuel wants to be ready and wants to listen. He's giving his life into the hands of the Lord. Lord, utilize my life. Take my life and let it be an instrument, a utility in your hand. My life is at your disposal. You know, often we're guilty. I certainly am of cherry-picking sometimes my way through the Bible. Always wanting a word of encouragement. Always wanting a promise that God will give that things are going to work out well. Everybody likes and everybody needs to be comforted and everybody needs to be encouraged. But Samuel doesn't say, Lord, I want you to say this or say that. And Lord, if you tell me what to do, I might do it. I'll weigh it up. I want you to encourage me. He just says, Lord, speak. Whatever you would have me to do, whatever you want me to say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. That's just what Mary said in John 2 at that wedding at Cana of Galilee. She spoke concerning her son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the people, the guests at the wedding. And she simply says, whatsoever he saith unto thee, do it. Whatever it is, regardless of how meager or how ridiculous or unreasonable it might sound to your ears, whatever he saith unto you, do it. Nothing is, is as dangerous or as deceitful as being a hearer only. Sometimes we have the idea that it's enough just to listen. James said in James 1, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Sometimes we can be deceived and think, well, I've listened to the Word of God. I've read my Bible for today. I've heard the voice of God speak, and that encourages us. But do we put into practice what God says? In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is warned by the Lord about a, a group of people that are really speaking about the prophet behind his back. And the Lord says, Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 33, 30, Son of man, the children of thy people are still talking against thee, by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and they speak every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is that word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come to thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after covetousness. They're really a self-willed and a self-seeking people. They're happy to come and listen. And they also know what to look for in the sermon. Verse 32, thou art unto them uh, as a man with a lovely voice, one that hath a, a lovely song, a pleasant voice that can play well on an instrument. But they hear thy words, but do them not. It's a bit like the wine taster. I hope nobody ever tastes wine. But you know, you see these guys 
and they, you know, in the south of France, and they go down to the vineyards, and they, they take the cork off the wine, and they pout out their lips, and they sniff the cork, and they, they swirl the bottle around, and they pour a little into a glass, and they hold it up, and they look at it, and then they sniff it again, and then they put a little bit into their mouth, and they slosh it around, and then they spit it out, and they're able to talk about the vintage of it and all the rest of it. A lot of sermon tasters like that today. They know what to look for. They know what theology should be in a sermon. They look for outlines, illustration, application, exegesis, all the rest of it. And this is what they're doing in Ezekiel's day. They're looking for all of these things. But at last they spit it out. And they've no desire to go forward in obedience and do it. Samuel was a man with a different spirit. He was in the place of importunity. Speak. He was in the place of humility. Speak, Lord. He was in the place of utility. Speak, Lord, for thy servant. And he was also in closing in the place of sensitivity. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Lord, I'm listening. Lord, you've got my ear. Lord, you've got my attention. Lord, I heard a voice before, but now, Lord, I'm really listening. And Lord, I want you to speak because, Lord, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to hear. Samuel wanted to hear the voice of the Lord, not the voice of man. And whenever he speaks there about hearing, he's speaking about hearing with a view to responding. We can almost unwittingly allow our hearts to be hardened. You mentioned earlier about the Shunammite and Song of Solomon there in the second chapter. And she says in chapter 2, 14, Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice. And then in the next chapters over in chapter 5, the Shunammite says in chapter 5, verse 2, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open unto me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. My head is filled with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. So she's been saying, I want to hear the beloved's voice. And then she goes to bed and she lies down to sleep. And then there's a knock at the door and it's the voice of her beloved. And he wants to speak to her now. But she says, I put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? And she's become preoccupied with other things. And she lingers and she waits and she tarries and he knocks on the door and it's become inconvenient. And then at last she rises up to open. Open to her beloved, and it says in verse number six, My beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone, and my soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called, but he gave me no answer. Her beloved, she loved him, but somehow, somehow this indifference at last had set in. But Samuel's careful that that doesn't happen. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. He wants his heart to be soft and tender so a mark and impression can be left on it. A heart that's soft like, like, like damp clay. It's easily marked. It's easily to put an impression on it. But a heart that's like granite or like a stone. It's hard to mark. It's hard to put an impression on it. But Samuel wants his heart to be touched by the voice of God. Like the two on the road to Emmaus, downcast and discouraged. And yet the Lord came and spoke to them by the way, and they said, Did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke to us by the way? 
the things that God was going to say to Samuel would not be easy to hear or perhaps even easy to obey. But Samuel was putting himself in the place of responsibility and accountability as well as humility and importunity and utility and sensitivity. Wanting to go through with God, wanting to hear God's voice. May God give us tonight hearts like Samuel's. May the Lord teach us to pray. May the Lord teach us to listen and teach us really to commune with him. Thank you so much.